Should athletes taking part in the Beijing Olympics take the opportunity to speak out against China's human rights record? The issue has raised its head again in the wake of the Chinese government's response to the protests by the Tibetan community. But the mixing of politics and sport is a contentious issue, and one on which New Zealand has a mixed record. So, will anyone make a stand at the games, which start next month? Monique Devereux has been talking to New Zealand athletes and officials about their position. Free speech is something countries like New Zealand pride themselves on offering its citizens. Life is somewhat different in China. Democracy does not rule. The government decides what its people are allowed to read or hear about when it comes to the outside world, and journalists get imprisoned for trying to persuade officials otherwise. The environment takes a battering in a country where there are well over a billion people and a booming economy, with thousands of factories running 24/7. Then there is the international discussion about a lack of workers' rights for those who ensure those mills and production lines are churning out their wares. The awarding of the Olympics to Beijing was therefore seen as a gamble on the part of the International Olympic Committee. The games of the 29 Olympiad in 2008 are awarded to the city of Beijing. However, it did so after China vowed to provide a less polluted atmosphere, promised to better address its perceived human rights abuses, and said it would welcome the free-speaking Western media with open arms and give it carte blanche to report on what it sees during the Olympics. There are conflicting views on whether China has achieved any or will follow through on any of its promises. And just weeks out from the Beijing Olympics, there's a reported sense of nervousness within the IOC that maybe things will not go as they had hoped. Because if the progress of the Olympic flame is anything to go by, the sport will clearly be sharing the podium with the politics. I move that this house express its deep concern at reports of violence and riots in Tibet, and subsequently elsewhere in China. Call on all sides to show restraint, express its strong support for the right of people to protest peacefully. Urge the Chinese authorities to react carefully and proportionately to protests. I join with the government in voicing concern at the violence and loss of life in Tibet over recent days. While the official reports are not yet clear as to the level of casualties or indeed the precise origins of some of the conflict, what is clear is that the Chinese government has engaged in a substantial imposition of military force in Tibet. This is the worst unrest in that region in over 20 years, and we do have serious concerns about reports of violence, looting, and loss of life in Tibet. It's imperative for the violence to stop. Then it will be possible to find ways to manage and resolve the situation. And it's great to read in the Christchurch Press this morning that uh, Mark Todd, our uh, two gold medal Olympian,、uh, has said that he may well、uh, protest in some form if he's selected for the Olympic. Team, and I'm sure it would be a very dignified protest. Double Olympian Mark Todd is so far the only athlete of his stature to make any reference to a possible protest in Beijing. However, he later told Radio Live that his comments were taken out of context and that he would not be making any statement. Just as a general New Zealander, obviously, what's going on in Tibet is not good, and I don't think any violence of any sort should be tolerated. But I'm certainly not planning to make any stands against it. I think politics and sport、um, don't belong together. If Todd or any other athlete did want to make a statement, they now have the right to do so. But that would have been a problem had the New Zealand Olympic Committee contracts not been changed earlier this year. 
The issue was the first concerning Beijing to make headlines in New Zealand and was sparked by a Taiwanese newspaper which accused the NZOC, along with Britain and Belgium, of gagging athletes. The previous contract said... Athletes will not make statements or demonstrations, whether verbally, in writing, or by any act or omission, regarding political, religious or racial matters, as such matters are contrary to the objects and purposes of the NZOC. That was a much harder line than the long-standing IOC charter, which states... No kind of demonstration or political, religious or racial propaganda is permitted in any Olympic sites, venues or other areas. Numerous centimetres of newspaper commentary followed, despite the NZOC pointing out that the contract had been the same for the two previous Olympics, without attracting a skerrick of media interest. But it was obviously not a good look to prevent athletes from speaking, should they wish to, about the political differences of China. Within days, the Minister of Sport, Clayton Cosgrove, had stepped in. Yeah, the government believes, as all New Zealanders do, in freedom of speech. The Olympic Committee had an agreement with athletes as to how they would conduct themselves. I expressed concern as sports minister about it because it, you know, we believe fundamentally in freedom of speech and athletes should choose what they do. I expressed that to the Olympic Committee. They then revisited uh, the, uh, the issue with the Athletes Commission and the document, the guidelines were aligned with the ancient Olympic Charter. There was no debate about the Charter because uh, that is an international IOC agreement and uh, if you don't adhere to the Charter you don't go as a country. The IOC Charter um, dictates certain restrictions, if you will, I suppose, that race, religion, politics shouldn't enter onto Olympic sites and as I understand it the New Zealand Olympic Committee have now aligned their guidelines with that. This may look like politics interfering in sport, but Clayton Cosgrove stresses that the decision came down to the NZOC. I expressed some reservations about it, but the, it has to be said that the Olympic Committee is independent of government. Uh, it, uh, it doesn't answer to us, sport doesn't answer to government. It's not for me to pontificate to sport, but I did express reservations that, may, that the guidelines may have gone beyond the Olympic Charter. I think that uh, was the correct approach to make, but ultimately it has to be said that decisions were made by the Olympic Committee Board, uh, independent of me. You know, I'm, I'm free like every New Zealand offer some advice, but I have a deep respect for our Olympic Committee, and uh, I did offer some point of view and some advice, but you know, these decisions are ultimately for sporting bodies. It's, you know, it's not for politicians, even putting the politics of sport aside. Uh, you know, from time to time we do offer some advice and, and uh, you know, the government works closely with all sporting organisations to support them. That is the main role of the sports minister. And so, despite Mr Cosgrove's careful wording that this was merely his advice stemming from his concern, the New Zealand contract wording was changed. The government has, of course, offered its advice to New Zealand sporting bodies before. At the 1980 Moscow Olympics, the government suggested to the codes taking part that it may not be the best idea to go to the Games. The USA was boycotting the event due to the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, and 60 other nations were following its lead. Only five New Zealand athletes refused to boycott. They went marching under the New Zealand Olympic Committee flag instead of their countries. But New Zealand's most significant political impact on the Olympics was at the Games prior to Moscow. And now the moment that we have been waiting for, New Zealand marching into the arena. 1976 in Montreal and 28 African nations boycotted the Games because of New Zealand's decision to play rugby in South Africa. 
As a result of the dispute over New Zealand's participation in the Montreal Olympics and the International Olympic Committee's decision not to expel us, there's been more scathing criticism of New Zealand and New Zealanders in some African newspapers. Take the latest edition of the Zambian Daily Mail, for example. New Zealanders do not enjoy a creditable history of a people with any semblance of nobility. The OAU has done very well to take measures to expose the hypocrisy and the wickedness inherent in the people of New Zealand as a dubious species of humanity. So we decided to ring the editor of the Zambian Daily Mail, who turned out to be a Mr Kabungo. Well, and the government, government is, is, does not approve New Zealand is... Uh, uh, opinion to go to play South Africa. We, we don't want to be contaminated with your uh, ideas of uh, racism. But our, our government says officially that it, uh, that it doesn't support apartheid. Well, our government has decided, decided to withdraw from Olympics because we don't want to be contaminated. Dixon challenges. There goes Hildenbrand on the outside. Quax is making his challenge. Quax is coming up on the outside. Byron still leads out. Dixon's still there. Quax is still there. He's coming hard. Come on, Dick. He's coming Dick Quax is one of the New Zealand athletes caught up in the controversy. I think with Montreal, that whole scenario with the All Blacks going to South Africa that year was something that, uh, well, I certainly had developed my own perspective about apartheid at that time that uh, you know it was definitely wrong and it was um, and it was something that we should speak out against and we did that and I think that uh, both John Walker and Rod Dixon felt very strongly about it as well and uh, I guess because we're fairly high profile that people tended to ask us about it more than say some of the other people on the team but they may have felt even stronger about it. Quacks, Walker and Dixon are not the only high profile New Zealand athletes to bring their political viewpoint into their sport. Triathlete Erin Baker made a physical protest against apartheid in 1981. She was arrested and convicted, and that conviction later prevented her travelling to the United States to compete. Former All Black Josh Cromfeld also made a political statement at the height of his rugby career. It seems so long ago, but 1995, I was sitting with my girlfriend, and we were uh, well, I was heading down, I think I think it might have been a semi-final or something like that, uh, to play against uh, Waikato. And right around about that time, there was all the the nuclear testing sort of risen its head again in France and uh, all the Poly- Polynesian countries. And, and we thought it'd be kind of, I guess not funny, but, you know, interesting to kind of, no one had done anything like it. So I printed no nukes on my headgear, and because of the position and and the fact that it's kind of pretty obvious, I ran around on the field with that on my head. I upset a lot of people, but at the same time, I guess it, it made a bit of a statement. But times have changed, and those sorts of statements may well be relegated to New Zealand's history books. Despite the intense peripheral controversy, the Beijing Olympics are only being viewed by New Zealand athletes as a place to compete for gold, silver, bronze and personal bests. Personal politics are being left firmly out of the race. All-white Ryan Nelson says the groups who want to make political mileage out of the Olympics put unfair pressure on the athletes. I kind of took politics at university and I kind of, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, but, but for me... Um, I think it should be completely separate because you know, the, the Tibet issue is a, is a major issue and um, you know, we all have our opinions on it, but it's just it's one issue that's happening in the world. It's one of thousands of, you know, of whether it's good or bad, whatever your opinion is, that's going on in the world. And, and so, 
you know, to the Olympics to say, right, this is one stand against Tibet. Well, well, hang on, like, why aren't, why aren't people making a stand of it beforehand and will they make a stand of it afterwards? And they're just using the Olympics as an excuse to get um, a lot of people to, to really, to, I, I suppose, to, to put their view across. And, and my point is, you know, the, the sportsmen has just become pawns, become political pawns for activists. And um, and that's and they get stuck in the middle if if, if you know what I mean and um, and I don't, I don't like that and sure I'm you know completely against what's going on in Tibet but do it in the right way and um, you know and um, I think if you ask you know it's it's funny when when the golf went and played in you know in, in China about two months ago beforehand you know it's a big world championship of golf was in China and nobody nobody brought up anything and um, and that's wrong and so just now it's just the Olympics seems to be getting the hard hit. Um, all sports should, you know, Formula One or probably or, or A1 goes to China, but nobody brings anything about that. It's, um, so it's all, all or nothing to me. For weightlifter Mark Spooner, the human rights and Tibet issues are not even on his radar. His focus as a first-time Olympic competitor is the sport, not the politics. To be honest, like, yeah, it sounds bad, but I don't care really. Um, it does sound real bad, but um, I don't know much about it, just because I haven't... Re- really gone down that track I've just got that one thing on my mind really just going towards that. And that's the kind of focus that the New Zealand team officials are hoping for. Dave Curry is the chef de mission of the New Zealand Olympic squad. He explains why he thinks it's important that the politics of Beijing or any other peripheral event is kept separate from the sport that the athletes are there for. We have a clear view that uh you know, one of the one of the wonderful things we live in a democracy, and in fact, you can you can you know kind of say what you like. Um, it's really around this this family and this environment that we're creating. The whole role is to you know kind of circle the wagons and 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 enhance that. Now, if you decide you want to take a stand on bad human rights, or you decide to go out after your event and get drunk and disorderly and create a havoc. Whatever you do as an athlete, if you just choose to draw attention to yourself, then that's going to distract you. If you're a member of the swimming team, it's going to distract the larger swimming team and it's going to you know, bring pressure onto the larger New Zealand team. For all of that time, it's a high-performance environment and whatever you do to distract from that uh, is not going to be helpful to you or the larger team. And so largely we leave it to people to make their own calls or what they do and they want don't do, but they bought into this family, this culture, this environment, that's how we're going to support one another. And so people have to make individual choices. And yeah, young New Zealanders are idealistic, and you wouldn't want them not to be. And so they've got to balance that belief as against, for this moment in time, that's what we're here for. I have a lot of faith that New Zealanders will you know, make sensible choices. It's not to say when they don't care about what's happening in China, they don't care about human rights, they don't care about Tibet, they don't care about whatever, but at this moment in time, that's maybe not the appropriate time for them to, to do something about it. Amnesty International disagrees. Its New Zealand spokesperson Margaret Taylor has been distributing athletes' kits as each member of the New Zealand squad is announced. Each one contains literature, stickers and badges, details of what Amnesty sees as the important issues that the Olympics can highlight and the steps that athletes can take to draw attention to them and possibly invoke change. We sent a letter to them detailing some of the things that they can do 
individually, personally, or as a team. We have detailed very clearly our position on the Olympics, and of course we don't support a boycott, although it's widely misreported that we do. It's good for them to know that we're not going in opposing them straight away, actually. We detail some of the human rights abuses that we want change on, and that does include an end to the death penalty, to ensure that detention in China is free and fair, that human rights defenders are allowed to carry out their activities in peace, um, that internet censorship and media censorship ends. Just so they get that as a background, knowing what they're going to walk into, um, what they're likely to be able to say and not say. And of course, because they're athletes under the Olympic Committee, we detail some of the promises made by the um, International Olympic Committee and the charter itself, how it's there to preserve human dignity. Well, Article 2 says the goal of Olympism is to place sport at the service of the harmonious development of man with a view to promoting a peaceful society concerned with the preservation of human dignity. Margaret Taylor says there has been no reaction from the New Zealand Olympic athletes that have been sent the kits. Dick Quacks is not surprised. Now a local body politician himself, he says times have changed from when personal politics made sport headlines in 1976. When we got to Montreal, there was a tremendous pressure on the New Zealand team and on John and Rod and myself to come out and make some kind of a statement. We held a press conference shortly after we got there and that seemed to satisfy everybody and we just went about our daily job of doing what we were there for. You know, things have changed. Um, you know, I, I guess that a lot of athletes now have blogs and, and you know, write for media and, and, and internet sites and so forth. So in that respect, I guess that they can make their uh, opinions uh, more known. But while they're there, they will be concentrating on the sport that they're there for. And, and look, um, to be fair, New Zealand, the New Zealand Olympic Committee, the New Zealand public, the sponsors and people who support the athletes from back here aren't sending people to China to protest about what's going on in Tibet. A lot of them will have their opinions, but that's not what the expectation of the New Zealand public is. Uh, the expectation of all those people will be that they do well at the Olympics. What I would expect, uh, as somebody sitting back here and watching it on television, that they go over there to do their best for their country and, and on the sporting field and leave the politics to the politicians. Veteran newspaper journalist Dave Leggett is not so sure that will be the case. He has covered most Olympics and Commonwealth Games in the past 20 years and was this year awarded the Sir Lance Cross Memorial Cup, a biennial prize for the most significant contribution by a member of the New Zealand media to the Olympic or Commonwealth Games. Dave Leggett says Beijing comes with a side-serving of politics that will be hard for anyone attending to ignore, be they athletes or media. I'm sure that it will be well run from the point of view of um, of the buses will get you there on time. In terms of events starting on time, the behind the scenes, if you like, they will be fine. Uh, the, the more important issues with Beijing is how people find it from the point of view of these issues, such as will athletes speak out? Are they allowed to speak out? Do they want to speak out? Well, a lot of athletes don't. It'll be an extremely interesting game from that point of view just how that aspect plays out and how China uh, view what they read and hear of what foreign journalists are saying, reporting about this, their, their country. People are aware, you see, you can't just go and spend two weeks and say we will not talk about Tibet or human rights, for example. That just doesn't work that way. And there's nothing that China can do about that. That's, that's, there. that's a given. But the other thing is that there will be people who will be plants, for lack of a better word, among the media, people who are sympathetic to... China to the government and I I can easily see a situation where journalists 
Western journalists would be confronted after press conferences by Chinese journalists who are saying, who would say, well, what do you mean by asking about that? You're questioning our athletes or our government. You know, what, you know, what's the meaning of that? So I think it, it potentially these games could be the most, in a sense, the most challenging and perhaps the most interesting certainly that I've been to, not necessarily for sporting reasons, but for the, the peripheral issues. Speaking out about those issues may not be what the New Zealand athletes choose to do, but New Zealand's Olympic officials say that does not mean the issues are being ignored. Dave Curry has been to China many times in the lead-up to these Games as part of the New Zealand team's preparation and says he's already seen more change than any previous sports boycott has managed to achieve. If you look back on all of those things, did those boycotts do anything to change the situation in those areas? Did nothing. The ones that suffered out of it all were the athletes who uh, lost an opportunity, whole career, you know, kind of uh, impacted on the fact they couldn't get to the Olympics or, or went to the Olympics that kind of was, uh, was compromised because of uh, boycotts of so many countries. I think the reality is that uh, the, the Olympics can't change the world by itself. It, uh, it you know, put spotlight on a country, some positive things. If you want to hold a game, you've got to invite every country. So you can't say, well, we don't like those guys, they can't come. You want the Olympics, everybody's got to come. You, know, you can't protest, you can't not have people because of their religious belief or whatever. So, you know, the Olympics does what it can to bring people together in an environment that uh, people have to accept one another. But it can't change what's happening in the world. It can be, a, you know, a force within it. So... I, um, you know, the Olympics get a bit of a bad spin. Well, the Olympics can change the world. Well, they can't. They do their bit. If you look at what happened in Tibet was, um, you know, was, was not, a, not a helpful thing. But it wouldn't have had the publicity, it wouldn't have had the spotlight on it if it wasn't for the Games. And that's the line the International Olympic Committee is also continuing to take. But as journalist Dave Leggett says, it has no choice. The last thing the IOC would do is admit it may have made an error in its selection of the game's host. I know that the IOC uh, will have been stressing to the Chinese that there is a certain way that these things are run. And you may not like it within your borders when you're running your own country, but that when the IOC bring the Olympics to your town, this is the way it should run. They may well be looking at things now. I mean, this is, we're talking seven or eight years on. They may well be thinking... Was this a smart move after all? So I think that they, there will be fingers crossed at the IOC that somehow they can get through this without any difficulties. I'm sure that they will know in their heart of hearts there are going to be protests, there's going to be athletes speaking out, there's going to be things written in the Western media that the Chinese government will not like. But I think that they are hoping that the Chinese will take the view that these people are only here for a couple of weeks and we can get through this and move on. Shaq Rogger is the president of the IOC. Whatever does or doesn't happen at the Olympics will fall on his shoulders. So far he maintains his stance that the Games has only done China good and will continue to do so. He talked to CNN in Beijing recently. We believe there have been improvements. They are denied by others. But we believe there have been improvements. But Amnesty International disagrees with you on that. And in fact, in a recent report, it says the Olympics have been a catalyst for a pre-Olympic crackdown, rounding up thousands of activists. Some have been sentenced to re-education through labor camps. What do you say to that? Well, we are not going to enter into a dispute with Amnesty International. We respect Amnesty International very much. 
uh, we have a different view. It is not the task of the International Olympic Committee to act in the place of sovereign governments or NGOs. We have flagged our desire to see the moral pledge being upheld. This is our duty and we did that. We knew, of course, there was a controversy on human rights. We are not naive, we are not blind. But we did the choice in the belief that the Games would open up China. And that is exactly what is happening now. You would not have the media attention to what happens in Tibet or, or, or China were it not that the Games would be organized in August here in Beijing. So we still believe that opening up the Games will change China's society. Maybe not to, today, but tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. While the New Zealand athletes look set to remain silent, it's widely accepted that the Beijing Olympics will be home to more controversy than the Olympic movement has seen in almost 30 years. The world remains poised and waiting to see how the politics and the sport will battle it out on one of the world's most sacred stages. That programme was written and presented by Monique Devereux. It was produced by Sue Ingram.